You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, I have two special guests that I'm bringing on, Coach Eric and Coach Robert, who are coaches on my varsity college volleyball team. And they're going to share with you their opinions and their thoughts on what makes a great coach, more specifically, what makes a great assistant coach, and what how, how does the whole thing come together when it comes to an entire volleyball coaching staff. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 35 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh. I'm your host for today's podcast. If you are a regular listener, thank you so much again for tuning in. Uh, You know, I appreciate you guys. You guys are great. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. Welcome to one of the growing volleyball podcasts out there right now. And I hope it continues to grow. Uh, And in order for you guys to help me, if you're a regular listener, do me a favor. Um, If you've liked what you heard on the podcast, go on iTunes or Google or wherever you listen to. Drop a a rating for me. me Five stars if you're feeling generous. Uh, And leave me a review. You know, I want to know what you guys are thinking about the show, what, any co- topics you want to, you know, you, you want to hear about and, and, and things like that. So let me, let me know what's going on. Um, coaches also, if you're a coach out there, are you on clubhouse? You know, I've been talking about clubhouse for the last couple episodes. Um, get on it. If you're not on it, there's a ton of great coaches out there. I meet new coaches all the time. I'm always hosting rooms. So if you want to get a chance to connect with me on another level, get, get on clubhouse, go look it up. If you don't know, reach out to me on Instagram. If uh, you need help with it. Um, and my Instagram is uh, Brian Singh underscore coach B. So really connect, get on clubhouse. I'm telling you, it is, it is a wealth of knowledge out there and especially it's growing for volleyball coaches, but there's so much knowledge. Even if you don't say anything, you just listen in on the conversations that are happening on clubhouse. You can gain so much um, in such a short amount of time. It's great. So get on clubhouse if you have it. All right, let's, um, let's get into today's episode. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have two special guests on today's episodes. They are from our varsity volleyball team over at Seneca. They are college coaches. And, and I mean, I may be biased at this, but they're probably the top coaches out there, to be quite honest. They just they know how to play the game. They know how to coach the game. They get it. Um, and it's been proven over and over again. And I'm fortunate enough that I've been coaching with these guys for a long, long time. One is my brother and one is... My brother from another mother who I used to coach as well. I don't know. It sounds kind of funny, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it is. So uh, I'm excited to join on the podcast for the first, well, the first time for uh, Eric and the second time for Robert, but welcome Eric, coach Eric and coach Robert. What's up guys? How you guys doing? What's going on, Brian? So Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Robert, what's up, man? Not much. Thanks for having us, man. Really love coming on the podcast. Yeah, Robert, you came on the last. <laughs> the last time you guys heard Robert, you probably heard of uh, the mm-hmm. 
it was the injury prevention and rehabilitation um, episode. But that was a good one. A lot of people gave me some good feedback for that one too. Um, but no one's ever uh, had Eric on the podcast. Now, if you if you're uh, an athlete in the GTA where we live, you know who Eric and Robert are. If you're around the world, you may not know. I mean, I probably talk about them, but you're gonna get to hear um, their opinions and you know their philosophies on coaching. A little different. Um, you know their roles on our team and their and what they've done out there in the world in the volleyball world as well as kind of you know what makes them excel at their position you know we have a lot of assistant coaches who listen to the show um and head coaches too will benefit from this and players really because it's just vol- good volleyball conversation so i want to pick you guys brains and talk about your your role as an assistant coach how that works and let's let's see if we can you know shed some value um on today's episode so uh let me let's walk through you guys i don't know it doesn't matter who goes first but you know you kind of want to talk about your role on the team uh what, what do you do yeah take it from there who wants to go um i'll go first yeah, so <clears throat> that's cool um so uh assistant coach now i've been coaching with uh, Brian and Eric now for about eight, nine years. I can't even remember how long it's been now. Um, and I guess the number one thing that I feel like I bring to the team would be um, a, a positive outlook on certain things for sure. Yep. B um, I definitely like to think that um, me personally, I am a player's coach. So I really like to get to know my players like well. Um, they get to know me well. Um, and then they, so that they can talk to me really about anything. Um, I feel like that's pretty important, um, knowing your players well um, and them also knowing you well, just because it gets you closer, not only when it comes to um, on the court things, they resonate with what you say to them a little bit better, but also off the court, um, because that's our number one, I believe, as a coach is um, the overall development of a person um, when it comes to an athlete, not just sports, but it has to do with overall development, making them a better person overall. Um, so I believe that uh, that's probably my number one focus um, when it comes to coaching. Um, and what I bring to the team also would be uh, my specialty would be, I say, would be middles. So I really do like to work with middles when it comes to actual technical work Um uh, specifically blocking is one of my favorite things to do uh, blocking footwork hand positioning uh, just trying to increase the speed of blocks uh, and overall the technique of it as well um, and yeah Eric and I also share uh, responsibilities when it comes to scouting report um, so when it comes to scouting the other team that we're facing for the week Eric and I will usually go through film um, highlight their best players, plays that they like to run, et cetera, stuff like that. And then we deliver it to the team as well. Um, so those are really our main things. Um, for me, at least, that's what I think I bring to the team. Um, a positive attitude, a uh, player's coach, a player that will, or a coach that will really get to know his players and really dedicate his time and um, passion to his players as well, as well as the staff. Yeah, no, that's good. And hey, listen, before I make this thing, full disclaimer, okay? <laughs> me and Eric, we coach every game to win. We 100% go into the mindset to coach every game to win. (laughs) Having said that, okay, listen, I'm going to be, you know, this show is about (laughs) honesty, right? So I have to be honest with my my listeners. There are some games where you're playing like the number one team. And let's say that you have your starters that are all injured, right? Let's just say our starters are all injured. And we have the the entire bench who's never played a, a single minute of varsity ever. And we're playing a number one team. Me and Eric will look at each other and be like, Oh, I don't know about tonight, man. I don't know, you know. It, it's good. And Robert's like, yeah, we're winning this game. 
What? I said, we'd, we'd be like 25-12, take the L, 25-15, you know, let's get out of here, whatever. And, and, and Robert comes Robert's like, you guys, we're in this game. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, no, guys, come on. We're winning this game. This is our game to win. So when Robert talks about being positive, it, it is 100%. And it's really good to, you know what? Like, as a team dynamic on our team and the coaching staff, like, um, I would say Eric is the, like, not not the knocking pessimist is the wrong word realist realist he's a realist, realist. <laughs> eric is like a real he'll look at the the x's and nobody like, all right this is what's going to happen if we don't do this this and this and this and this is what he thinks right robert's like it could happen but we are going to do this 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 and this and, this. and he's like no that's what's happening and and i'm i'm sitting over there like okay i'm gonna i gotta manage i'm thinking about my other things and i'm like just you know in my own space and and, and listen and to listeners and hey if any of my varsity players listen to this, guys, listen, we, we, we coach to win every game. I don't care what it is. We always have a shot at winning every game. Okay. We definitely do that. We don't do that. But, you know, deep down inside, when we look at certain things, we're like, yeah, it's going to be tough. But it is what it is. Okay. Eric, go ahead. Um, yeah. Robert, Robert really covered a lot of stuff there. Um, but yeah, the role on the team, uh, you know, as an assistant coach, um, you, you really got to be there for your, your athletes sometimes your your athletes your your players they're they don't want to go to head coach they don't want to go to coach b um right and that's what we're here for i guess you know we're as as well as you know me and robert are not that we're not that old you know, i'm 25 robert's like 24 23 or something like that so i mean we're we're around the same age as the as some of the athletes that we coach um so, you know they, they can come to us you know whether it be with like robert said personal life or um, you know, how, especially at the varsity level, <clears throat> one of the big takeaways is, you know, they got to do well in school. They got to, they can't fail. So, um, I went every practice, um, you know, that it's it, besides of how they're performing on the court, you always got to ask your, your athletes, you know, how are you doing in school? Right. You, that's one of the big things that they can't fail. You need them to, to pass in order to play. Uh, but more importantly, forget playing. Like you need, a, you need to pass. You need to get that, that diploma at the end of the day. So um, it's more than, the, than just coaching. Right. Um, yeah. But um, uh, when you go to the coaching side of it, I guess I would say I'm more of the uh, left side <coughs> slash uh, libero uh, specialist. Uh, I used to play left side. I wasn't one of the greatest left sides though. Cause I, I would say I'm a little undersized. I'm like five ten. Um, but uh, I was very technical, so I always knew how to score, I would say, and I love to, like, share my uh, experiences with uh, our players and our athletes on that. Um, I also love the technical side of, you know, being a libero and reading. I transitioned out of, you know, after I realized I can't be left side in the league, transitioned out to being a defensive specialist because, you know, you don't really have to jump. You don't play up the front of the net. So it doesn't really matter how, how big you are what it matters about if you can read the game. And I, I really like to do that and analyze the game. So I share that with the, with the athletes uh, that we coach. Um, so yeah, libero and left side is what I would be in charge of. And then like Robert said, scouting, uh, we do the scouting report and that's really important to, you know, prepare your team for the next game. You give the scouting report. Um, we try to do it so that they have it bef uh, the practice before the game so that they can actually practice um, according to the scouting report. Um, then aside from that is actually, you know, scouting, like going to clubs, tournaments, going to high school tournaments and looking for those, those recruiting. athletes. Recruiting. Recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. So we recruit. Um, mm -hmm. 
you gotta that it does take some time like you know you're gonna give away some of your Saturdays and some of your uh, uh, evenings to go to these high school games or tournaments um, but it's worth it you know you go and you find some some gems um, that can really uh, perform well so yeah recruiting big thing so how would you guys say, um, you know, I mean, you guys talked, I mean, Robert, you played, you played middle, a little bit of middle varsity. You played middle throughout your entire life. Eric was left side slash libero defensive specialist. How would you say you guys transition from player to coach? How is that transition? How do how have you made it work? You know, what do other people need to know about that transition? Cause there's a lot of players after yeah. they finish playing. The next thing is if they're not going pro, uh, they're probably going to get into coaching. There's a ton yeah. of player coaches out there. So yeah, so I think uh, I can I can relate to that because like I mean I wasn't the best volleyball player out there, right? But I mean right after college, um, I got like actually right into college, I got into coaching. And I think one of the big takeaways is that um, you know don't just jump into. I mean you can try, right? It might not, but it might not work for you. But I think what what helped me was just going for a younger age group and then working your way up to a, a, a bigger age group. Like, a so starting at 15U, for example, that was my first team I took on, right, with uh, Brian and Robert. I was already, you know, older than the kids. Uh, they would look up to me. I just started, finished playing, so I was, you know, I, I was still fresh. Um, but you build your confidence as a coach when you start at a younger age group because you know the game is such, it's such uh, so much easier to coach. 15U versus varsity or, or 18U, right? So um, you go in there, you share your the little knowledge you know, and you build your confidence. I think that's one of the big things. Yeah, Robert? Yeah, I would agree with Eric also. Um, really building that confidence. Um, for me, um, uh, I was always the guy that was playing. So I was used to playing often um, throughout my elementary school, high school, I was always used to playing. Um, so one thing that I had to really adjust to is, yo, you're not playing anymore, bro. You're the one that's now giving out the information that you have to the next generation. Um, uh, so that was a pretty big uh, change for me because I was always, I always loved participating in the drills and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was more than that now. I had to start doing a little bit more um personally research and making sure that I'm I truly do understand what's going on in the game um, so maybe asking questions um, from not only my players but the coaches of course as well to get their insight on things um, that was actually pretty important for me um, other than that for when it came to transitioning to being a coach um, it had to really do with confidence as eric said especially when it came from transitioning from uh club coaching to the varsity level yeah at first it's a bit intimidating well for me it was a little bit um especially when as, as eric already stated some of these guys were around our age um so can you imagine telling a 29 30 year old man you got to do it like this instead of this i'm 19 20 years old like who's this guy but after I got the confidence, I'm like, yo, I know what I'm talking about. Like, I've, I've studied this. I've, I've been in it. Like, I've been through this for so long now. I had the confidence to really just be like, yo, yeah, do it like this. Talk to them. Yo, we got to do it like this. And, and through that, uh, the players that I started to coach started to gain some more respect for me as well in the same process. So confidence was really important um, transitioning from a player to an actual coach. 
Yeah, you, you touched on a point I was going to touch on, which a lot, I get a lot of times people ask me, I just finished playing. I'm an assistant coach. How do I get the guys to respect me? How do I get the guys to listen to me? And um, in your case, you explain it great because you had players that are a lot older than you that were on the varsity team as well. So you want to both of you can touch on this, like for assistant coaches out there who are relatively the same age or younger than the players that are coaching. How do you approach that? Like, how did you guys manage to get the guys to respect you, to get the guys to like, well, okay. I also think that part of it is, you know, when uh, in tryouts, when you pick the team, when, when you, you don't just hop into the middle of the season, right? So you pick the team from the beginning and the guys that we choose, you know, we, we pick culture. We pick guys that, you know, want to learn. They're, they don't think they're the best player on the court. They, they go out there and they, they want to be coached. So I feel like that has something to do with it. The guys that you pick on the team, they would if they're not going to respect you and listen to you as a coach, well, they probably aren't going to be on the team to begin with. Right. So it starts there. Um, but I mean, again, what, when you get into it, right, they're going to see how they're going to listen to you and they might have to break some of their bad habits, but you know, they give it a shot. And as a coach, you're going to keep telling them, even if they don't listen to you, you're going to keep driving it in their heads and their heads. You know, I know what I'm talking about. You know, you got to just try it this way. It's not working for you right now. Right. So try it my way. Let's see what happens. They put in a couple reps, they start seeing things change and, you know, they start gaining respect from you from the small things, you know, change this little thing here. It works for them. And they start, they start listening to you. Yeah, it's true. If, if they're getting results, like they'd be crazy not to listen to you. It doesn't make sense. I don't give a, I don't care how old you are. If you're getting results, you're getting results. Like it is. Okay. So, you know what, I'm going to kind of transition into the the whole the whole point of this podcast is what makes a what makes a great assistant coach what so how do you what makes you guys excel at your position and i think that kind of tie into you know what's what's the qualities of a great assistant coach and why do you excel at your position cuz i can tell you right now you, you two are one of the best coaches I've, well the best coaches i've ever worked with so tell me what makes you guys great it's kind of a tough one i'm, I'm telling you to talk great you know? i'm telling you to boost yourself a little bit here but you know that's okay <laughs> I would say commitment and dedication. Um, yep. It takes a lot of time. Like, okay, I got a full-time job. Everyone does. Everyone who coaches, I mean, well, not everyone. Maybe you don't, but we all, we, I need to have a full-time job in order to, you know, live. Like, we, we don't make much money out of coaching. So it's the the commitment and the dedication. Um, you know, I love volleyball. I like to, I like to do what I, what I do on the team. So and it takes time to do that. You know, you got to sacrifice your evenings after work. You go straight to the gym and you put in extra touches with these guys. Like all that counts, all the dedication, the time uh, and the commitment that you put in. If you can put in the time, just like anything, you know, if you put in the time and if you're dedicated and that's what you truly love to do, you can be great at it and you can excel. So I think that's what it is. Um, You know, once I finish work, I go to the gym. Robert's there with the guys already, always, you know, so and then uh, help them out. We all like, it's just the time and the effort that we put in um, along with, you know, playing helped us. I would say Robert playing club, yeah. you know, you played varsity. I didn't, mm. I, pl- I didn't really play bar- varsity, but I played club for four years. I think that helped that all that experience. Um, you know, uh, I feel like when I first started 15, 16, you, my coaching uh, could have been a little bit better. Um, and then when I, got into like you know 17 18 you uh, I had a different coach and I actually learned a lot and it really it was eye-opening for me it was like holy crap like 
if I was, if I knew this stuff back then, I would have been such a better player today. And like, just knowing that, you know, and then I, now I'm in, now I'm in that position where I'm a coach. I want to help these guys out from now and, you know, make truly bring out the best of them. Just knowing all that past experience that I've done and knowing what I can bring to the table. I think that makes, um, what else? Like uh, the symposiums that we go to, you know, we're always trying to learn. I think what makes us good is that we don't think we own, we know the right way. You know, it's, we're always open for yep. feedback from other people and other coaches. We take in what other coaches do and we wade into our program. Like would this work for us or not? Like we're always open to ideas and learning. How many symposiums do we go to? Right. Um, yeah. I don't know, Robert, you can. Yeah, I really, I agree with Eric. Um, a lot of the things that he was saying, um, especially when it comes to dedication and commitment, because that was that's one of the number one things. Um, I also feel like the players will also respect you. Um, that's as Brian was asking, how do we get the players to respect you? That's another way. If you can show them that you truly are dedicated and you do care, um, it goes a long way. Um, for example, when we had our, our practices, um, I try to get there uh, an hour before just so that the guys could have extra touches, extra reps when it came comes to passing. Or if there's anything in particular they wanted to work on, we'd work on it. Defense, attacking, whatever in that time period. Um, and I feel like the players really resonated with that. They're like, yo, these guys care about us, you know? Like, they want us to succeed on the court and off the court as well. Um, another thing that I felt like that's really important for a coach, um, not all coaches are like this, but being personable for your players, uh, being approachable for your players um, so that they're able to talk to you. Uh, I think that's really important because um, if you can't talk, if you can't talk to your players and you don't really understand what's going on in their heads, in their lives, it's going to be hard for you to really pull out the full potential or capacity for your players when it's time to actually play. So I do feel like that's really important as a coach as well. Um, Can I just point one thing out that both you guys said that yeah. I really like? is that everything that you and Eric have said so far has nothing to do with volleyball. It has nothing to do with volleyball. And I always talk about the 70-30 rule. 30% of, like, 30 of our game is the tactical and technical. 70% is everything else. You guys are talking about the dedication, the relationships, the commitment, the being personal. And I think that's 100% why you guys are great is because you could be the most tactical and technical coach in the world and never win a championship. Because the intangibles that really come in to making it an experience for your players, you know, that showing up early to help them and show them that you care. What I, I want to add too is, uh, unfortunately, we, we didn't, we we're missing a couple of coaches on this, but Brandon, who is our other assistant coach, um, who's not on here, Robert, I want to say you too, but you guys have a handshake with every single player on the team. I know Brandon was, I don't know if you had, it, but you guys have a handshake with every single player on the team. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I I personally made that a goal for me when it came when it turned for the season when the season started. I'm like, I gotta have a handshake with all these guys. Right. It just makes things a little bit more personable. Like, oh, coach remembers the handshake. Oh shit. Well, yeah, yo, I remember the handshake. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's all about that experience. I talk about it all the time. It's, it's that experience. So you, uh, I want to talk about you guys' coaching career in general. What do you, um, what do you think? Well, what are some turning points in your coaching career? Like what are some memories turning or what are some points 
along your coaching timeline that was like, wow, that was pivotal in my, in my career. What can you remember about that? Um, I can, I can think of one for both of you, but I'll, I'll let you guys. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll go with two of them. So I'll, I'll go with first club and then I have a varsity moment as well. So I would say my cl- the first club moment was, um, 18 U. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with 18 U, uh, provincials. Yep. And, um, you know, this is our 18 U season was, I don't know why, man, but I would say every coach in the OVA had, had it for us as a coaching squad, like as a nemesis coaching squad, I don't know why, but every coach in the OVA was just like, nah, man, these guys ain't it. These guys aren't the ones like all four years of our coaching career in club. All four years was like that, but especially in 18 U it was like that. It's like, you know, we had Danon. Um, and, and they're like, why are you with them? Like, why are you being coached by the nemesis squad when you can go to Pac-Man, you can go to any other co- club in the, and it's such a slap in the face to us as coaches, but 18, mm-hmm. you, you know, provincials, uh, they're not even going to get past. They're not going to be in tier one. You know, they're going to drop down to tier two. It's like, we ended up finishing third in the province, right? It's, I think that's a big, uh, accomplishment for us as a club, you know, third in the province and tier one, um, top three in Ontario. It's a big accomplishment. Like, yes, we didn't go first or second, but you know, but we lost to the best team in the country. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what ended up happening. Right. So what it is, what it is, but I mean, that was a big turning point, you know, getting third in the province, like, you know, we've been through so much and so much shit has been talked about us. Do we actually, and you go to a point where you question yourself and it's like, are we actually trash? Like, yep. do we, do we know what we're talking about? Are we, are we doing the right thing? And then we pull out bronze and it's like, okay, you know what? I think it's safe to say we know what somewhat of what we're doing is right. We're, we're on the right road. Right. Um, yeah, I would say that was my, that was a training club moment. And then I would say my, our varsity moment, I'm pretty sure this is what coach B was talking about. And I know what Robert, Robert knows this one was we we're in, we we're playing La Cite. Oh yeah. This is the Lassite, um, and uh, this was, uh, I forget which year, it was the second, second year coaching. I second think. year, Lassite was the best yeah. team in the East. Number yeah, one ranked team in the East. Yeah, they yeah. only had one loss, I think, at that time. before we Did they have them. a loss? Or they didn't have I a loss. Was... No, no, I think they had one loss. Yeah, yeah they had one loss. Georgian, yeah, right? Right? No, they beat Georgian, um, and then they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. I can't remember that, but they had the, they had the 1L. They had a You're one right. L, and they right. had, Canada? and this was halfway through the season because this was, uh, this was in like January. This was the last game before the Christmas break. Oh right, this is midway through the season, so they're probably like ten and one or nine and one or something like that. Um, we go into the gym; it's an iceberg. Their heating isn't working. It's like negative. I don't know. It's like zero degrees in there, mm-hmm. as freezing. Our guys are like warming up in jackets, and whatever. We're down o two. Right. Um, third set comes and me and Robert look at each other and we're like, yo, we need to make a change. Let's let's uh, their middle is eating our, our their M1 eating our M1. Let's switch it around. Let's make our M2 M1 and let's do a what else? What was the other switch that we did? I think we had Tom start serving or something. And we like had a, we, we changed our server, right? Server Those rotation. two switches. And we, we looked at Coach B and we're like, yo, we got to switch arms. You know, we're getting eaten in the middle. We should have done this last set, whatever. Let's do it now. Let's see what we, what, if we can pull this off. We made that change and we, that one change made the biggest difference. But besides that, it was like in game, it was, you know, point for point. We were battling out. 
we made the right timeout calls. Like it, everything was so perfect. You look at coach being like, Robert would look at me and be like, yo, hey, we need timeout. I'm like, yo, you're right. Yo, coach, timeout. Like, yeah, we, we were all in sync like we were all, yeah we all looked at each other at the same time i was like boom time out got it yeah we're all yeah. like okay it was like it was like clockwork yeah it was like it was so, such a picture perfect game so whatever we we pull out the third set fourth set comes they didn't make a switch so we kept it the same we we take out the fourth set the fifth uh the fifth set comes and we win like 15 oh, 13 went by two or something it was and we close won. i was 16 it was so 14 close. i think yeah 16 14 so and we won and we just made one of the biggest upsets and this was in lassie's court in that you know they're probably used to practicing in that cold gym or whatever but you know what i'm saying yeah it was, it was uh that was <laughs> yeah, their heating was fine this is what they do they a visiting yeah. team comes in oh our heat is broken sure i'm kidding if you're if you're a last day person listen to this <laughs> Unless I'm, unless it's true that I'm not kidding, but yeah, go on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that was a turning point for us. Like, we uh, we made the right decisions. We, I think we coached that. We coached ourselves back into that win. Um, yeah, that was my that was my varsity turning point right there. Yeah, and you know what? I want to. So players win games. Hundred percent players wins games, right? But coaches. Coaches get paid to win what you just described. Like, though, that was like, we, we won that game. Yeah, the players <laughs> did it. I give players credit. The middle switch was huge. Everyone came clutch. Uh, but yeah, not, not, to, not to sound arrogant, but man, we coached the hell out of that game. And it was like, yeah, tactical chess matches, you name it, we, we did it. And when they did called their, when they did their subs, we were ready. Like, it was great. But one thing I want to mention, and I think this is really, really, really important for all you coaches listening is that when Eric was describing that story, okay, when you as a coaching staff, you have to have trust as a coaching staff. You can't, you, like, as, like, I'll tell you, as a head coach, like when Eric is on a court working with players, when Robert's on a court working with players or Avi, Brandon, or whoever my assistant coaches are, I don't, I don't, they do their thing. Like they do their thing. I go, hey, how's it going? Whatever, whatever. Like there's no, why are you doing this? What's going on? Like you have to trust, you have to have trust. Yeah. So if you're a head coach and you're mm -hmm. hiring an assistant coach and you're going to micromanage them, it's a waste of time. Don't do it. Right. Yeah. I like, we're very, very yeah. particular about our coaching staff. It's funny because we had an assistant coach that unfortunately couldn't be with us anymore. And the amount of work it took to bring on another coach was, it was, it can't just be anybody. It has yeah. to be someone that fits our, fits our culture. And with us, like, we take culture to another level. Like it's not just someone that like someone that just understands, you know, the way the game works. Like, yeah. Okay. We need a coach that knows volleyball. Sure. Yeah. But we need a coach that understands our culture, understands who we are, like a guy or a girl that we can like, you know, kick it with after go to dinner, have fun, like hang out together, you know, that just gels with us really. Cause once you gel on a personal level and on a volleyball level, that's the recipe for an, an amazing coaching staff. Now we, I really sound arrogant on this podcast. I, I normally don't, but <laughs> just, I want, I want to get the message across that you, your coaching staff has to be like intact. It's you're not just picking employees. Uh, you know, you're picking family. Like they're, that's yeah. what it is. So uh, yeah. if you, if you're a head coach out there <laughs> listening and you have an assistant coach that, you know, doesn't fit your culture, like with all due respect, that assistant coach, you have to ask yourself, is that, is that the right fit? Don't just hire Don't just bring on an assistant coach for the sake of bringing it on. I'd rather do it by myself than have assistant coaches or other coaches to work with that just don't, we just, we just don't vibe well. I've had that in the past too. It was really awkward. Um, but yeah, Robert, go ahead. Um, I kind of want to touch upon what you were just saying when it comes to culture. Um, 
my one of my major turning points had to be in our first season. Um, I believe it was the last game of the season. Oh yeah, we were we were in Ottawa, <clears throat> and I think it was our captain at the time. Yep. Um, yes, he I believe um, he not believe he was giving us a little bit of uh, uh, attitude, and there were some character issues there. So this game, this was the last game of the season. If we won this game, we could have won this game. We would have um, advanced in the playoffs. So we would have been able to go into the playoff game or at least a game to decide if we go into the playoffs. Oh, we would have made the playoffs with that game. Yep. Right. So um, the player uh, in question was giving us some attitudes, the character issues. And we're like, yo, this is not us. This is not the way that we coach teams or the type of players that we have on our team or the culture that we exude. So we were, we couldn't start our captain. We could not start our captain because it was, we benched his ass. And that was a really turning point for me. Cause I'm like, man, like we always say, we always preach culture, 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 but like, yeah, we, we mean that stuff. Like we mean culture, a person's attitude, their character is so crucial when it comes to the sport. Um, when it comes to any sport, really, uh, this this player a lot of the times would tear down the rest of his teammates, um, and you could see it in their body language and and uh, <laughs> their setter, facial. Our setter was afraid to set him. Literally, was afraid to set him. Right, <laughs> so like character is so important on a team, um, and what's more important is enforcing it enforcing that character is number one and we really did that i believe and we doing that we've been doing that ever since we've been coaching all right but that was a really an eye-opener like it doesn't matter if we're in varsity or if we're coaching 14 11 12 year olds whatever it's the same thing that we're going to demand it's going to be character first always um so that was a pretty big turning point for me you know, and then, as Eric is, said, <laughs> sorry, to, to cut you off, Robert, is that no, like no you problem. know that that player comes back and watches games, and we're fine with them. Like yeah. it's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely nothing personal. It's just you know you can't have it. And um, before I get back to you, Robert, I just want to add is like, I work with a lot of coaches, and coaches will say they'll say culture is important to us, character is important to us. But I want you to ask yourself this question, okay? You're about to play a playoff game. Would you bench your best player if they gave you attitude or if they did something that goes against your culture altogether? Would you, do you have the courage to do that? Do you have, like, do you, can you do that? And if the answer is no, you wouldn't do that, then right off the bat, you're telling me that that player now is above your culture. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. And it, you can't pick and choose when you want to do culture, which is, I find a problem. Coaches, you cannot pick and choose when you want to exhibit your culture and when you don't want to do it. The hardest thing is to cut a really great player at, at tryouts. Like you have a player that like walks in your gym and you know they would be an impact player on your team. We've had it happen to us. Yeah. Yep. You know they're going to be an impact player. They're going to start top two, top three player, but you cut them because you know the character is, is not there. That's the hardest thing to do. And I can't say, I can't say with certainty that there are a, lot of co- a lot of coaches just don't do that. But anyways, Robert, to, to go back to you. No, I completely agree with what you said, B. Um, but also, I was saying um, with Eric, another turning point might have been um, that 18 new year. <laughs> Realizing how much shit was really spoken about us. I couldn't yeah, believe it. More than we and know. I, yeah, at that point, I was like, man, I don't care. The main thing is I, I'm here with um, my family, 
my guys, and we're here to try to go for a chip right now. Um, so that was kind of just like us against the rest of the volleyball world a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I got I mean, I got to give Danny credit for this too because, like, he yep. didn't even hesitate to go to another team. Like at that time, you had all the best players trying to team up, right? Everyone was trying to team up and go to other places, and you know, go. Everyone, everyone was trying to go to Pac-Man that year or Aurora or whatever the case was. But you know, Danon didn't even flinch when people said, "What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, you can start on the best team and go every and like win championships." He didn't. He didn't even hesitate. He was always coming back. And it's funny because when you when you hear when you hear about it later on, you hear about you know all the coaches that try to poach him and not not just him, many players on our team saying go to other clubs, go to the, go do this and 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 coaches were like orchestrating things behind our back, like they were talking to our club, our our coaches in our club and saying let's try to finesse and figure out a way to get Dana away and other things too. So even in our own our, our own home, it was like and and for you young coaches out there, we were really young at the time. And that's the, that's the reason why we were super young. We were a young coaching staff and because we had talent, we had one talented player and I shouldn't say that everyone was talented, but Dana was like national level talent. And, and because they, they, again, they, they, I guess they wanted him for themselves. They didn't want us to do it. They just, the amount of, uh, if you're a young coach and you know, you're passionate, you got to really drown out the noise and you got to focus on you and focus on your team and create that culture with your team and, and do whatever you got to do because you can't control it. It's going to happen no matter what. And what's really funny is now we walk into a gym and everybody knows who we are. Now it's kind of cool. Like they know, they know the Seneca coaching staff now, not that I care or anything like that, but it's like, you know, 11 years, 10 years later, uh, it, it, it's different, but the crap that we went through. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to reminisce. Go ahead. Continue. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so I wonder, like, my yeah, those are big. Even in my coaching career, those are huge, huge turning points. Um, what it, what it was you like if you know assistant coaches? Uh, what do you think the big difference between an assistant coach and a head coach is? This is out to both of you because um, you guys have both head coached before as well, like on certain games, tournaments, yeah. whatever the case is. So yeah. at the end of the day, head like you got the final city, right? Um, but I don't, like, so you take on all the, you know, all the responsibilities. I just show up, you know, I, 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 me and Robert, we do the scouting report. And then in the pregame, we, we do the scouting report with the team. And then at the end of the day, you have the final say, you, you top it off, you summarize everything and everything goes through you. Right. But I think what makes us so successful is that, you know, even though you're a head coach and we're assistant coach, there, in terms of volleyball, there's not that big of a difference because we're on the same page right and so if i tell you something it's not like you're like it's not like you go and you take that in and you're like no 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 that doesn't make sense and then you it's go not like an assistant coach telling a head coach something it's like a coach yeah, telling a coach that's right yep. exactly and, I, and so with us like with our coaching staff like at that i think that's why we're so successful and we get along so well so they're isn't too much of a difference, but at the end of the day, you go to all the meetings, you know, you deal with all the admin stuff and you deal with all that. And you have, like you're, you're the face. Uh, I I mean, I, I, it's not like I want to be the face or I want to deal with all that stuff. I'm happy where I am, honestly. So, um, you know, I get to do what I love to do, which is, you know, play the game of volleyball and share it with uh, these guys and coach it. Um, And, and you deal with all the paperwork. And Michelle, yeah, and Michelle. Yeah. You, you, Michelle. Yeah. But at yes. the end of the day, you like, you know, when you're in, during a game, you make a play call. The play call 
you run it through us. We run it through you. Like, I think we should mm-hmm. do this. Or you say to us, I think we should do this. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's a good play. And then you do it. You know, it's like, we're all on the same page. It's not like you have too much more responsibility than us. Like we're, since we, we share it, we, it's, we're all in it together. And when it comes to game day, right. And, and when it yeah. comes to practice, like you take the setters and I take the outsides and the left sides and Robert takes the middles, you know, we all have our equal responsibilities when it comes to volleyball. Um, I, I don't know if that makes much sense, but yeah, Robert. Um, yeah, f- I would agree with Eric uh, f- for the most part as well. Like w- we look at each other as equals and I feel like that is one of the main reasons why we work so well together. Um, we also bounce ideas off of each other and no one's yeah. like, nah, nah, nah. I know like we're all, okay, you know, that's a good suggestion or we'll brainstorm about things. One thing though, that I do say that uh, as an assistant coach, we may do a little more than the head coach is when we're on the bench, we can observe little small things um, right. a little bit more than the head coach may be able to, yeah. for example, maybe a timeout or maybe um, that whole um, La Cite situation. We're like, okay, oh, the coach, Brian was looking at the grand scheme of things. He has to worry about this player. He has to worry about substitution. He's going to play calls. So sometimes it helps him out when we're like, all right, you know what? We should call a timeout here. We just ran on a 3-0 run, a 4-0 run. He's like, oh, shoot, we just did that? So, like, he realizes that majority of the time, but there's a point or two in, in the game where he may forget, mm-hmm. right? So we're just there to help remind him as well to just make sure that we're um, all on the same page and that um, just in case there's cer- certain things that he may overlook, we're also there to just be like, hey, uh, don't forget this. Uh, yo, uh, this is our last rotation. We should probably get one of our ace servers in yeah. right now or something like that, right? Yeah. No, yeah, 100%. And the great point because, you know, you guys have the stats in front of you. Yeah, right? exactly. You could, yeah. you, you could, hey, this guy or this, this, whatever the case is. And, and, and when, I'm, when I'm standing up, I'm talking to the players on the court. So sometimes I may not see certain things. You're seeing kind of the big picture. So that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, continue. That was good. Yeah, it's like, like what Robert said there. We, we got the stats. Robert does the stats, right? He does a great job of it. And then when you're doing the stats, you can see, like, you know, which player is at a big, you know, deficit or, who, who's plus minus is the worst, who's really bringing down our team and make that call mm-hmm. and like, yo, this guy's really bringing us, we got to take him out or whatever the case is. Right. Um, that's that, brought, coach V doesn't have the stat sheet in front of him when he, yep. when he's coaching, he's walking up and down the court. We got to call him over and tell him what we see. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. That we're more on the, the number side of the game, I guess. You know, you know what I like too. And, I don't, I don't think this is common at all, but I love this is that because we are on equal playing fields, like I know, you know, the head coach is supposed to be at a higher, like they, they make the final call and yes, I get that. But because we are all, we have trust in each other, it, it just works. Like sometimes during timeouts, like Eric will go over to the, to the team and start talking to them and start going, uh, going over what he, and I just sit back and I listen because we're yeah. all on the same page anyways. Right. Yep. I might, I may end up finishing it off. Just put it, put it, put it like an extra sentence on that. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I'm like, okay. And I just come in yeah. and, you know, one hard, yep. one seat. But, yeah. and, and I think that's, a, that's, it's really important. I know a lot of coaches, I, I know this because I work with a lot of head coaches. They will always say, you know, they speak during timeouts only. Yeah. Right. Assistant coach. It's not the assistant coach's job to speak during timeouts. And I, I understand that to an extent, but I think what makes ours flow is that because we're on the same page, because we discuss everything, we, we just, we're all, we're all on the same page. We're all thinking the same thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it comes out of my mouth, Robert's mouth, Eric's mouth, Brandon, Abby, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, like, okay, I am the head coach. So I will come in and say the final one sentence, but it's not to 
it's just to say, okay, let's go. Listen to what Eric just said. Listen to Robert just said, go. So yeah. I think that makes us flow really well. Cause I can't say that that happens a lot with other teams. It doesn't. And I think that yeah. what's, that's what makes you a good, you know, not to be, hey, hey. you're not good. <laughs> that's what that's, makes that's uh, me, you know, really good. Cause he, he listens to us and he lets us do our thing as well. And we don't get in shit for it. So like, like you said, I, a lot of the times, like I, I notice defense things, like, you know, easy things where, you know, our lips should be in a certain spot on a certain guy attacking. And I, like, instead of telling coach to be this, he knows that I, I watch defense. And so I just go, once the timeout starts, I just get into it because I'm just so also, it's like a passion thing. Like I'm so passionate about what I'm, what I see, what I analyze. And I just want to deliver it sometimes. And maybe it comes out of my mouth, mouth a little bit more clear or, or something. Right. Instead of me having to explain it to coach B and then he has to put in his words. Sometimes I just get right into it. Timeout only. It's not that long anyway. Right. So Right. And that is efficiency mm-hmm. at its best right there. Yeah. Like you just described efficiency instead of having to explain it to me to then go and explain it to the players. Yeah. Why waste that time? Boom, go right, right away and, and just make it work. Yeah. Like you have to have, like, it just has to work that way. So I think we, Robert, sorry, do you want to add anything? No, I agree completely with, uh, with exactly what you guys are all saying. Uh, yeah, I think probably why we're such a good coaching staff. Yeah, like that's. I mean, and listen, listen, listeners out there, I'm not trying to say we're the best coaching staff in the world. Like, I don't. We're not mm. trying to come off an area. What we are saying is that we are a really good coaching unit, yes. and the way we operate is efficient. We're like a machine in that sense, and I think it's really important to understand that you know there's no there's no hierarchy. Yes, on paper, there's assistant coaches, trainers, whatever. There's no hierarchy. You guys are a team. Players are players. Coaches are coaches. You have to be that way. You have to. Yeah. At the end of the day. I do, I do plan the program. Sure. I'll plan training camp. I'll, I'll do our, uh, you know, I'll plan certain things when it comes to organizing. We're gonna have service Eve now. We're going to do this now. We're gonna do this now. And then we go out and do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll plan because as a head coach, that's my job. Sure. But when it comes to the execution of the plan, we're all, we're all in equal playing fields. And if, if you coaches listening to this can understand that and really go and sit back and take that in and have your staff all be on the same page, I guarantee you, you're yeah. gonna get, you're gonna be more successful without it. Last thing I wanted to say, just before you go on to the next thing, is that there, there, one thing I've noticed about us is that, you know, there has not been one time where we came to you at practice and we say, I think we should do this drill, or I think we should do this, or change this, and you've never said no. You've always said your answer is always like, what the hell? Are you sure about that? They're like, at the worst, it's like, is that gonna work? Like, are you sure? And I'm like, yo, let's just try it, right? And we we always try new things. And we, yeah. sometimes it works, and then we continue it that way. Sometimes it doesn't. And we go, all right, that definitely didn't work. Let's, let's go back to how we're always open to adjusting and changing things and, you know, learning, I think. So, yeah, that's a big takeaway. Yeah. yeah. 100% agree. Well, I guess this ties into my last question because my last question would be, what are your top two, three pieces of advice you would give coaches out there? Um I don't know. We, we summarize, but you guys have anything more you want to add to that? Some top pieces of advice is for head coaches, assistant coaches, you know, whatever the case is. Um, so top three, I don't know. I would say always be willing to learn. So going to the yearly symposiums, like I, I noticed that even though, so you go to the first one, right? We went to the first one. And it was whatever, like we, we learned a couple of things, right? We go to the second one, we didn't learn nothing new. 
And it's just like, do we go to the third one? And we still go because you never know. You, you can always learn something new from a different coach from around, around the world or something, right? So, And if you don't have, sorry to cut you off. And mm-hmm. if you can't go to a symposium, Digital Volleyball Academy yeah, is your you way of getting mentorship and being in that volleyball conversation yeah. so you can continue advancing and learning. My little plug there. If you, hey, if you haven't signed up for Digital Volleyball Academy, join the waitlist. Links in the show notes. Okay, Eric, continue. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's, if you can't go to symposium, cause you got to drive to Ottawa or whatever, you know, just join DBA. That's good. But always be involved, like wanting to learn more, you know, always yeah. wanting to learn uh, about volleyball and, you know, what, what more you can bring to the court, bring to your players. And I think that's what makes us, you know, really good. We're always, every year we're learning more. We're going somewhere, learn something, right. You go to, we go to symposiums on top of that, you go to UCLA and, and, talk to john right Mm -hmm. so um that's one thing i think another thing that we i don't know robert maybe this is something you were going to say and if it is i'll let you take over but um i think one a big thing for coaches and or assistant coaches mainly is is recruiting Uh, because you know if if you don't have a good recruiting season at the end of the day yeah you you go you have tryouts but you need to convince some guys to come to Seneca to play, you know, otherwise they're going to get a scholarship or from somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else. And then that's talent you could have had in your gym, um, having your culture or whatever. But Robert, was, is that one of your top threes or? That's definitely one of the top uh, that I was thinking for sure. Um, Recruiting is so crucial, man. Um, I guess for us, something that I've really seen work for us is just being yourself and being uh actually care about the player uh like i understand like yes you're trying there's so many other uh coaches or possibly they're trying to recruit the same player but you show this player that you truly care about their well-being and what they they want to do not on only the court but outside the court as well it goes a long way when it comes to the recruiting process yo Um, that is uh such a good point because you know when we approach a kid um sorry when we approach an athlete that we want to come to Seneca. They have talent, right? We we like how they play on the court. You know, the first question that we ask them is, "Hey, plan on going to college or university?" If they say university. Good luck, man. You're you're great. You're gonna make it, right? Mm-hmm. If they say college, the second question is, you know, well, what are your interests? What kind of program are you looking to get into? We don't even talk about volleyball, nope. right? It's like, how can Seneca benefit you? Like, we have great business programs. If they say we're interested in business. Well, damn. Seneca has a great program for you, man. You can get a degree out of it. So, you know, we, we care about their education first. Yes. They say, you know, I'm, I, I really want to go into the, the trades. We straight up tell them, well, yeah, maybe, you know, Seneca might not be the right place for you to go for your education. If that's the case, so be it. You know, we're, we might have to give up on this talent or, you know, this, this great person because it's not in their best interest to come to Seneca. And at that yes. point, that's the kind of conversation we have with our athletes. It's not like we think you're the best player on the court and we want you to come to Seneca. What do we have to do to get you to come? And we give you a full scholarship or else. It's not like that, you know? No, it's never like that for us. Say, hey, how you doing? What do you want to do in life? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Like, just work for you. You know, care first. Yeah. Another thing, though, that I do want to say as a tip, um, is listen to your players as well. I feel like we we learned that. Uh, we were always learning, but that's one big thing I feel like we've learned last year 
Um, specifically when it came to, uh, I gave a specific example. When it came to teaching one of our players um, where to swing or where to start from, like, yo, what works for you? Is it easier if you start on the outside? Uh, mind you, it, it, it's different per position, of course, like a left side and, and a right side or middle. But if you listen to your players, I'm like, hey, I feel more comfortable. I feel like I can hit that, that line shot if I, if I start here, opposed to starting here. It doesn't always have to be, yo, if this is the way that I've been teaching it. You have to do it this way. Right. Ah, man. You got to talk to your players and see what they're most comfortable with uh, when it comes to certain things. And you'll see they'll probably excel a lot more if they're more comfortable in this position that they're in. Yeah, that's such good advice. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, guys, final thoughts? Final thoughts uh, um, for our listeners? I just can't wait to be back on the court. <laughs> it's, been, it's been so long now. I forget what it's like. I just can't wait to go back in the court with, uh, as a team atmosphere with you guys again. Feels like I haven't seen you all in a minute. Hit up some Boston pizza. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. For those of you listeners who don't know, yeah, after games we we tend to we tend to go to restaurants and Boston Pizza is uh, well, it's my after choice. Wins. After wins, yeah, after wins, after we wins. like to we like yeah. to go to get yeah. Those are actually fun. After wins, going to restaurants. I I look I look yeah. forward to that stuff. And again, that's it's about yeah, the coaching staff, right? We're all. It's not like when you leave the gym, it's done. No, you can't have that. You know, Eric. No, that's that's it. That's it? Good. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll end off on that note. One thing, though, actually, I'll, I'll end off on one more note. So, by the way, for coaches, assistant coaches, coaches listening to this, Eric and Robert are also coaches inside Digital Volleyball Academy. Okay, they're there to help you. So, if you haven't joined the waitlist and you're interested in joining Digital Volleyball Academy, where we can help you grow as a coach, we can help you with your specific problems that you're going through, we can give you a clear path on where you are now to where you want to be to be that great coach, to have impact on your players' lives, to make the game simple so you can get clarity in your training so your players can get results. Sign up for the wait list. Head over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. It's in the show notes. Join that wait list so we can fast track your growth as a coach and we can work together and get to connect. And I always talk about mentorship. Everybody needs a mentor. Regardless of whether you're a volleyball coach, a basketball coach, doctor, lawyer, it doesn't matter. And anything you do in life, you need a mentor because they can fast track your learning by leaning on their experience. Their exp you can't learn experience. You got to go through it. So huge, huge, huge opportunity for coaches out there that want to really fast track and excel in their growth and connect and get to meet other coaches and be part of a really amazing community. Head on over to Digital Volleyball Academy and sign up for that waitlist. All right. That's it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you next week. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.